It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today's always your host, Evan Sider. I join my co-host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at Eastsider. You can follow Brennan on Twitter at BrennanClean14. Also, make sure to follow our Locked On Suns Twitter page at LockedOnPHXSuns. Your support is much appreciated. I know in our last two episodes this week, Brennan, you weren't there on Wednesday for Wes Goldberg for the Goran Dragic mock negotiation. But on Monday, we did one with Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs for a George Hill mock negotiation. And today, we're going to kind of continue that a little bit because we have still a lot more options we have to go through. I think that going through all the rest of five or six of these guys would take another week or so. So we're just going to knock them all out today, just me and you going back and forth. And those five guys are Terry Rozier, the Boston Celtics, Corey Joseph of the Indiana Pacers, Kemba Walker of the Charlotte Hornets, Patrick Beverly of the Los Angeles Clippers, and Spencer Dinwiddie of the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to go one through five as far as the possibility of them being moved and what we possibly get up in such a deal and if, and if the opposing team would do such a deal or not. So... Brent, before we get into that, I wanted to get your thoughts really quickly on the Goran Dragic trade from Wednesday that I did with Wes. Do you think that the deal we, we agreed upon, which was a future first-round pick protected in 2019, most likely will, will convey in 2020 for Goran Dragic and Tyson Chandler and Darrell Arthur's expiring contract? I think it, it it's probably pretty close to what, uh, what, what might happen. Uh, I... I don't like giving up a first-round pick in any situation in the Suns' rebuild, but you know we're facing a reality where that's that is going to have to be the piece, especially in some of the guys we're talking about today. Um, Hill and maybe even Dragic, you could have argued, maybe aren't worth it from a talent and age perspective. But uh, you know, the one thing I do want to highlight before we get into this is kind of along the lines of what ended up happening with the Heat negotiations is the Suns are in a position where they don't have a ton of leverage. There's certain teams that are operating at a similar place. I think the Clippers come to mind. We'll talk about that with Patrick Beverly, where they probably have even less uh, negotiation leverage than we do in Phoenix. But um, the Suns don't have a lot. So giving up more than it seems like maybe they should or more than, you know, another team might have to, I think that's something that Suns fans should accept because, um, the whole entire basketball world knows the Suns need a point guard and don't have one right now. Do you think there's any possibility, Brennan, that the Suns kind of punt this entire situation and just wait till February? Because every single person I've been talking to from the Suns' perspective continues to say, especially from Miami's point of view, even from Boston's point of view, as to their podcast, they think that the trade deadline's more realistic. So if the Heat are out of it in January, if the Celtics really don't need Terrors here anymore, they don't need him until January or February when they possibly move him. They don't want to move him now. So what kind of a predicament is Ryan McDonough in at this situation? Because it seems like that's kind of the sentiment for a lot of teams right now where they really don't want to move off one of their key assets right before the season starts. Yeah, here's how I would frame it. I, I don't, you know, I think you're right in that a lot of those things like the Celtics come to mind where I think a lot of it hinges on Kyrie Irving. Maybe we should just start with Terry Rozier after this, but um, I think – 
the Celtics are waiting on Kyrie Irving to make a decision. They're waiting to see just how their whole team looks at, as a whole put together for the first time with all the pieces that they now have. Um, so I think that's a team where it might not even happen. You know, Bruger might never get traded if they never feel confident enough in Ir- Irving as a long-term piece, if, if they're not sure what he'll do. And that, that could, the same could be said of a few different people. Kemba Walker, you know, they don't know. They probably, in Charlotte, still want to re-sign him. And so if they feel like they have any sort of chance of doing that, I think they might be hesitant to trade him. What I would say is that what happened when, they, when the Suns traded Brandon Knight to me is that it just became more urgent and likely that they make one of the trades that I had been angry for them with angry at them for not making throughout the entire rest of the off season. That being just a depth piece, just some, I mean, probably somebody who will start now knowing how the rotation shook out, but just a a reliable player who's going to be able to give you 30 minutes a night and just do his job. That, that, should have happened before the Brandon Knight trade, even to provide depth on top of Knight. Now, without Knight, it's even more, uh, it just has to happen. And so I think some of these names we, we got to were more along those lines. I think that's more likely, and that stuff can happen, I think, before February. I don't think, you know, Corey, Corey Joseph or Spencer Dinwiddie is so make or break for the team's long-term plans or Patrick Beverly that they would be, you know, too hesitant to part ways in September rather than February. Now let's start through these deals like you mentioned there. We're going to go with Terry Rozier first. Then we're going to go just straight down the list of what we have to put together between Kemba, Corey Joseph, Beverly, and Dinwiddie as well. So Terry Rozier, you're calling up. You're in Ryan Madonna's shoes for the scenario, as you will be for the, these other four. You're dialing up Boston, Brendan, and you want Terry Rozier. One, I thought I was doing the other teams. Oh, you are? Okay. Um, I guess from my point of view... I would offer up, obviously I want Terry Rozier because I think he's one of the better overall young pieces involved in this list that you put together. And looking at his stats here, if you want to go through that really quickly, he shot 38% from three last year. He's a very good defender. And even in the playoffs, he did way better. He shot 35% on eight threes per game, 16 half points, six assists, five rebounds per game. That's screams starter equity to me. So I would offer up, I don't, I don't know if Danny Ainge will accept this offer, but if they want Rozier this badly, I would go Dragon Bender and then one of a Kobo or D'Anthony Melton for Terry Rozier. Yeah, no, I, I just think from the Celtics perspective, well, first of all, let's do this with each of these guys too. How available do you think Rozier is on a scale of one to five to kind of put things in perspective? I would say... One, one being he's not getting traded and five being... He'll be out of here in no time. I would say three. I think they have a position where they don't have to trade Rozier now, but I think there's a point where they probably will have to because I can't see them because they also gave Mark Smart an extension, eerily similar to TJ Warren's contract numbers this past summer. So they, they have their backup point guard, it looks like, in place with Marcus Smart, but it depends on what happens with Kyrie and Terry Rozier. So I would say if, if Kyrie stays, that Rozier's going to walk in free agency and someone's going to offer him a big contract. So I would say if they want to get ahead of that, I would say three out of five. What would you think? I think two. Um, I think maybe in February if, if Kyrie stays healthy, if, you know, Hayward. Like the thing about the Celtics is I don't think Smart is a backup point guard, but I also think they have so much secondary ball handling with some of their other players from. Jason Tatum to Gordon Hayward to Al Horford that they can afford to 
not necessarily have like an ideal backup point guard. Plus, with Brad Stevens, they have guys that come out of nowhere and can handle the ball a little bit every year. So I think they do want to get value, but I just don't think they're in too much of a hurry. And, you know, they're at that point in their construction. They're not going to be able to win every negotiation anymore. Like, they're going to have to face the reality of maybe you just lose Terry Rozier. I mean, that's disappointing, and you know, it, but it's also just a reality of you have so much talent that some of those guys get lost by the wayside. I just don't think for this year they – they are going to be better with Rogier, and so I think you kind of just move forward without him. But that said, I think there is a deal that could get done if the value is high enough. So, I mean, I'm I'm wanting a pretty high caliber young player or a pretty high caliber pick if I'm parting ways with a guy you just told, you know, you just said is a, a starter, you know, starter level player at least. What if I added then the Suns' 2019 first round pick, but I put the same protections on it that I did with the Goron Dragic trade? So it's Melton, Bender, and... Lottery-protected Suns first. Lottery-protected? How about unprotected? Oof. 2019. That's that's tough. I don't know if I would... That's tough. I really think... How about 1-7 to seven protected? I would do that. Okay. I would do that just because you're not giving up much in Dragon Bender. You have to get... You, if you're getting someone of Rozier's value, you have to go about some sort of piece of young core... I think the Celtics, I imagine in your scenario, Brennan, would, if you were in, in Danny Andrews' shoes, you would you would be at least clamoring for one of Jackson or Mikhail Bridges, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, the, just the, what complicates it so much with negotiating from the Celtics' perspective is that's that just became, if we were to do that deal, the fifth first-round pick that they could get in 2019. That's just untenable from their perspective. They're not going to draft five rookies. There's really no deal that anyone does that includes five first-round picks. So it's a little bit... Anthony Davis, to maybe? Even, like, to even know. What do you say? Anthony Davis, maybe? Yeah, I mean, sure. But like that's not going to be five first-round picks. That's ridiculous. So I don't know. I mean, would you do Josh Jackson, Melton Bender, or Jackson? Oh, man. I, I, I personally not. I know some people will get a little angry about that, but I think Josh Jackson still has some really high potential. I still believe in Mikhail Briz. I think they're the long-term three, four answer in the front court next to DeAndre Aiden. So I would say no, and I would just I would if it just comes to Jackson and they won't do anything else, I would just say thanks but no thanks and move on, and just wait wait till next summer to get Rozier at like a ten to fifteen million per year figure. Yeah, the other thing is the Celtics have fifteen guaranteed contracts on their roster already, plus three non-guaranteed guys. So. It makes it a little bit tough to, from their perspective, they wouldn't probably do a trade where they're adding three players, but I think they might do something with Bender and, and Melton. So, you know, Melton could even be like a two-way guy, potentially. I think he's better than that, but, you know, you could do that if you needed to get creative. But no. do you want to you lock in that Melton-Bender-Suns pick just as a, you know, some sort of example? Yeah, sure. We can probably do that for all of them if you wanted to. We can lock yeah. we can lock that in. And before I move on to our next one, Brent, I just wanted to ask, what do you think is the realistic figure for a guy like Terry Rozier this summer? Because if he doesn't get traded by Boston, which I don't think honestly he will at this point, they don't really need to trade him. What we what do you think his number is next summer in free agency as a restricted free agent? Because I could see the Suns offer him a, a big offer, but how high do you think it could go? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I think he's going to benefit from having so many point guards be free agents next year. Um, there was a, you know, really no market at all this summer, and so no one really got paid. But you know, there really wasn't even anyone to get paid except Marcus Smart got you know a nice deal. Again, he's not quite a point guard in the same way Rozier is. So, do you think? I think Rozier probably gets a little bit more than Smart, but I'm not even positive of that. I think that it depends on how well he does this year. What do you think? I think something around 12 to 14 million a year makes sense for him. But like you said, I think it depends on what happens this year. It could go down to like 10 million per year if he doesn't, because that could some, some, some teams could consider that being a mirage a little bit, that playoff performance, but I don't obviously. But what do you think about just overall Rozier and Booker as a fit in the backcourt? Because that screams to me like something done with target right away. Cause Rozier is only 24, going to be 25 fits right into their timeline. Yeah, he's a little small for who I would want to to play next to Booker. I want someone who's able to defend multiple positions at point guard, be able to protect Booker a little bit better on that end. But I think Rozier has he fits really well on offense. Somebody who can knock down a shot, but also create offense for the team. Uh, I mean, he he hustles on defense. It's not like he's inept. It's just he's a little bit small and um, you know small in size and height. So. That would worry me, but you know, there's no amazing perfect fit. So I think Rozier is one of the better ones available, or that could be realistically available. All right, so we have Terry Rozier locked in for Melton Bender and a top seven protected Suns first, which I think makes some sense on both sides. Might be a little heavy for the Suns' perspective when he could be a free agent next summer, but if they're in a des- desperate mode, I think that could get it done. So moving on here to Kemba Walker, he's obviously the biggest name on the list here. What would it take? I'm Ryan McDonough dialing up Mitch Kupchak right now. What do you want from my roster? Because it seems like, obviously, I need a, a veteran star point guard to take this roster a step further in their development. But it seems like your roster is in the position where you have really no young assets and you have really nothing to build around Kemba. So is it time for you to hit the reset button? I mean, I think realistically it is, but it's tough to tell from their perspective what, what really is going on. But So they're, they would want to get off Nicholas Batum. Is there any deal we could do where Batum and Kemba would go back? Is there is there even anything reasonable that could go there? I would say no way. Yeah, I agree. Especially after that Ryan Anderson deal. They're basically eliminating their cap space for next year if they take Batum. They sons would be. Can you stretch um, can you stretch multiple guys though? I mean I imagine that's kind of a bad idea, but couldn't they stretch Anderson and Batum and get off some relief but then really be screwed later on? Yeah, you can. I'm pretty sure you can stretch as many guys as you need to, but yeah, I mean, at that point, you're just handicapping yourself so much. It's not the greatest. Yeah, okay, well then, if we can't get off Batum, then I'm going to need quite a bit to get it done. I mean, this is the guy who is the top scorer in franchise history and hasn't even really publicly said that he necessarily wants to leave Charlotte, so if I'm trading him, it's going to have to be pretty huge. How about... uh, Mm-hmm. Is Josh Jackson on the table in the discussion? He he could he could be. Okay, Mikael Bridges same. If 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 we do something that that works, if it if it if it's something that I like to the point where I have to pounce on it, yeah. 
Okay, well, I think Charlotte probably likes Mikhail a little bit more, just considering they already have Michael Kidd-Gilchrist on the roster. So, could I get Mikhail and a first-round pick? Not necessarily the Suns, but like Mikhail and the Charlotte pick. Or, I'm sorry, the the Milwaukee pick. Um, I would say no, to be honest, because we just gave up the future 2020 Miami pick, which is always our most valued asset for Mikhail Bridges. So we believe he isn't a long-term part of our future. But if I took back one of these contracts, Brendan, and someone like a Marvin Williams, would your asking price go down a little bit? They they signed the worst contracts ever. They gave everybody a player option that wanted one. It's a disaster. Um, yeah, I think if you were to take Marvin Williams, I didn't realize that was a player option on the second year. I thought that was a – he was – a free agent after this year so you know he still has two years yeah I, I would um if you did something like you know Tyson Chandler and you know I don't know how to get the salary up to it but I know the Suns have plenty of options but something centered around Tyson Chandler and Bridges for Kemba and Williams I think that could be the the, the construction of a deal does that I mean I think we have the Suns probably have to include something else let me let me counter really quickly because I, I'm still on the fence about moving Mikhail or Josh because I'm, I'm really high on their future. So let me counter really quickly and see what your thoughts are on this one. It's Tyson Chandler, the expiring contract of Darrell Arthur, either of Elliot Kobo or D'Anthony Mel, whichever one you want, plus the Suns' first-round pick, plus the Bucks' first-round pick for Kemba Walker and Marvin Williams. Chandler, Chandler Arthur... Melton, Orokovo, and two firsts? Yeah, two firsts. And I'll throw just a, a really light protection on the, the Suns pick. I'll make a top three protected. Okay. So the from the Hornets' perspective, they probably would keep Tyson just to have, I don't know, another center. They have like five, but sure, they probably would keep him. Probably by stretch out Arthur, that cuts their salary by quite a bit for this year and then they get three assets I think I would do that deal that's a pretty good one you okay. think that those two firsts are less valuable than Bridges I just think McDonough at this point he, it seems like he's committed so much into his assets with Mikhail Bridges that I, I can't see him being one of his guys that gets moved unless it's a, a deal like a Damian Lillard type yeah I guess that's true. I just think a lot of teams are going to want that. That's going to, I mean, to me, it's like we saw that with the Kyrie Irving negotiations. That had to be a part of the deal. Otherwise, it wasn't going to get done. And then ultimately, it just didn't get done. I would hate for that hesitancy to cost them a point guard if they need one, like they obviously do. But I think you're right. I mean, I'm for sure the, the Milwaukee pick, he's going to be more likely to deal before he gets to the really deep stuff in the, in the treasure chest. Now, on that deal that we kind of agree upon there, which is Tyson, Darrell Arthur, D'Anthony Melton, Bucks pick, Suns pick in 2019 for Martin Williams and Kemba Walker, another scenario is the same with Terry Rozier here. Would you rather pay this price for Kemba? Or we're just bouncing off the GM hat here, taking off for a second. Would you rather do this deal now, or would you rather just take the risk and wait till Kemba's an unrestricted free agent and then offer him a max contract? If, I mean, yeah, speaking for like myself, I would not do this deal, but the Suns have handicapped themselves to the point where 
I could see them being that. I don't know if they would trade two first-round picks. I think, to me, I actually wonder if they might be more. Maybe not Bridges, but I think they might be more, From in my opinion, I think they might actually be more willing to trade Jackson than to trade those, to trade two firsts. I think, to me, I don't know what they think, but I kind of feel like Bridges has a little bit, I'm more optimistic about him long-term than I am Jackson. I would I would offer Jackson before I would offer Bridges. And I think if the, if the Hornets wanted him, which, like I said, they have Kid Gilchrist, um, I don't know if that's a guy that really prevents you from acquiring somebody as talented as Josh Jackson. It's not like Kid Gilchrist is a superstar that you can't play somebody in front of. But um, if, this, if the Hornets wanted Jackson, I think I might do that. Similar construction, but with Jackson instead of those two firsts. And then I would do it. But otherwise, I would probably wait and just try to sign him if, I, if it got to the point where you're offering multiple firsts. Now, let's say they did do Josh Jackson here. What's your thoughts on both Jackson and T.J. Warren? Because I can't imagine. I've been thinking about this more and more every day. But T.J. Warren's long-term contract, unless it's a team like Cleveland that specifically needs a wing that has really almost none available, I can't see T.J. garnering any trade value. And it might have to be Josh Jackson. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I definitely – Jackson has probably twice as much trade value in my mind. Being on a cheaper contract, being younger, having more, you know, even just being a higher draft pick, having more, you know, um, equity when he came into the league. So I think, I think by far he's more valuable. I think the only real reason that Warren would go to on a, in a certain deal is if the money had to work and it was really the only way that was going to, it was going to happen or a situation like some of these guys. We should actually probably move on to George Hill because I think TJ might actually be somebody who could make sense for the, for the Pacers. Um, and a deal, like I was just going to say, if somebody's just not playing, not, you know, not talented, not valuable enough, like Corey Joseph for George Hill, that, you know, those guys aren't getting traded for Josh Jackson. But, um, how available do you think Corey Joseph is for a, on a scale of one to five with their kind of point guard log jam a little bit and wanting to play Victor Oladipo there a little more probably as well? I would say four and a half. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, I think. He's somebody that could, you know, to me, like looking up and down, what kind of team would have any reason to be making a deal this late in the summer? And to me, it's like they traded, they traded for, or I'm sorry, they, they drafted uh, Aaron Holiday, obviously, this summer, and then they signed Tyreek Evans, but they still have the whole entire point guard rotation from last year. They, they guaranteed Darren Carlson's deal, who didn't uh, have much of a guarantee at all this year, if any. And then, uh, you know, like I said, Victor Oladipo is incredible with the ball in his hands. So they have like five guys that maybe they don't want to play holiday at all, but they have five guys who are ball handlers on this team that are, you know, pretty good. So I think that that is the kind of situation where some team could, the Pacers could look at it and, and think, well, you know, if we could get something for this guy, why not? And, you know, we don't need Corey Joseph to be, He's not going to, you know, really dictate the outcome of our season at all. If we can get an asset in return, then why not? I think this could be a really quick and easy negotiation for you, Kevin Pritchard, since you're in the GM position over there. TJ Warren plus the Suns' 2019 second-round pick for Corey Joseph and the Pacers' first-round pick. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm not offering a first round pick. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not in a hurry to get off Joseph. Like I just said, I mean, they they have a, you know, they would love to move it if they can get something. But now we're talking about giving something. I don't think I'm doing that. If you wanted, like, um, does TJ Leaf have any value to you? Um, he wasn't. He was a. He was the first. He was a first round pick. Probably the guy that was the least popular first round pick in that draft. But he did get picked in the first round. If that's if that's what it takes, I mean, I guess I would have to at this point. But um, let me see what the Suns roster is sitting at. I mean, I kind of think can does it? The Pacers have enough cap space for it to? Oh, they don't have any. Okay, never mind. I was going to say, can they just do? TJ in the second for Joseph straight up, and they can't. According to the trade machine, they could if they wanted to. They, oh, really? could, they could do Joseph okay. for Warren straight up. I would do that. Okay. Just no picks involved? Enough, is that enough value for the Suns, though? I mean, all they're getting is Joseph, and they're getting rid of their second and TJ, who, I mean, they like. It's a, that was a number 14 pick they signed to an extension. Yeah, I couldn't get back just like a unprotected second rounder next year. Maybe like a pick swap next year for in the second round? I prefer just to be just uh, since you're getting your eventual starting small four for the next couple of years alongside Old Depot, just like a top forty, top fifty pick would be nice. Yeah, so you're saying basically we just trade seconds. So I would send you the Pacers second, you would send the the Suns second. Oh no, I, I want an additional second. Oh, I see. I don't think so. Oof. Um. I would do Leaf. I would probably do, I don't know. There's really nothing at the bottom of the roster. But I would do Leaf, I think. All right, yeah. If I want to get off TJ's deal, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. that, that is. You, could, I mean, you could decline TJ Leaf's uh, third-year option if you really wanted to. And I, I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> Two guys named TJ in this deal. But. So the, the deal is no picks involved. TJ Warren for Corey Joseph and TJ Leaf. I will be declining TJ Leaf's team option. He's not part of my future, but he is just some sort of value to get back for TJ Warren's long-term deal. So the Suns get immediate sour relief in that deal. So you can I kind of flip Leaf again. I mean, he, he's going to be on the team for this year. This is only a second season, so you know he's just somebody that could be in a, in a future deal too. Yeah, and maybe for at least a year, he could learn behind Ryan Anderson. Try to be a really good stretch for. But I like that deal. So let's move on here to our next team on the list and that is Patrick Beverly Los Angeles Clippers there is some movement out there Brennan about a, a possible deal with Los Angeles happening here soon because we could think that they just matched Tyron Wallace's contract with the Pelicans they threw him a two-year offer sheet they matched it so now the the Clippers have 17 roster spots they have to cut two guys I've seen some indicators from at least Clippers writers that it won't involve either one of Milos Tejas or Patrick Beverly they think they're, they think they're just going to cut Jawan Evans and Wesley Johnson but it could be possible they could get Patrick Beverly in such a deal. So, one through five, how would you rate Beverly being available for the Clippers? I mean, to me, it's like a five. I think it's even more of an urgency because of that roster crunch. I know, I understand from the Clippers' perspective that, you know, there's, there's a lot of expiring deals on this team. And so, it's really just picking who they don't want to be on the roster. It's that simple. So... I mean, I understand why they might not need to trade Patrick Beverly. I don't necessarily think that they need to, but I think 
they surely want to. And he's similar to what I just walked through with the Pacers. Like, if you can get an asset back to solve your roster crunch, of course you do it. The other option is to just stretch somebody. Then, yeah, you're definitely. Or I think they would probably just eat the money because they don't want any money on the books next year. But whatever. It's it's just a matter of if they can get something for Patrick Beverly, they'd much rather do that than just swallow six six million in Wesley Johnson's salary. So. Um, and we did this just to remind people too. We did our mock, final mock draft the day of the 2018 draft this past June. We did. I think it was just Beverly for the 31 pick straight up, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, do you think his value's gone down? I mean, do you think he is worth the Suns' 2019 second? I would still do it just because I'm a really high on Beverly and he'd be the perfect guy to mentor Melton and Kobo and be next to Booker for at least a year. They could possibly sign to a longer term deal for the cheap. I can't see that happening, but this could be a quick and easy negotiation on this side if you wanted to, Brennan. And it could be the expiring contract of Darrell Arthur plus the Suns 2019 second round pick for Patrick Beverly. Can the Suns just take Beverly back for a second? Let me check. Suns cannot. They have to send out at least four million in salary. Okay, that's just crappy. I mean, I guess they're getting a second. The Clippers, the cost of doing business in that case, and no one Daniels doesn't do it. Do it doesn't quite do it for them. Oh, that's bad luck for the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, I guess then it has to be Arthur. So they're just going to eat Arthur's money anyway. But instead of just eating the six million or whatever for Wesley Johnson or whoever they would have chosen in that case, they're getting a second and still doing the same thing. So. Yeah, I think that's it's quick and easy, but I think the Clippers don't want to, they don't want players, so they and they don't want any long term salary, so it's pretty easy. You get to give them somebody that they can cut, and then you give them a pick, and I think that something like that could work. Now, before we go into our last one, just Spencer Dinwiddie of Brooklyn, what's your overall thoughts on the possibility of adding a guy like Patrick Beverly next to Devin Booker? Because it seems like all indications are with signing Trevor Reza, then trading for Ryan Anderson to get DeAnthony Melton, who could be kind of a Beverly 2.0 down the line. They are kind of building their scheme in Houston-esque ways that's kind of hard to ignore. Yeah, I really like the investment for one year. If they were able able to get somebody like Beverly, you know, I wrote that big piece. Not really big piece. I wrote a piece on the Suns training staff with Knight when I thought he was going to be the Suns point guard this year. And just kind of, oh, well, now the the training staff's kind of back under the spotlight. And Isaiah Cannon is another example. They, They, you know, were obligated under the CBA to rehab him and, that knee injury that he suffered. So it was kind of two stories at the point guard position that were running in parallel to show that the training staff was kind of under the microscope again. I still feel like I trust them. And so you get a guy like Beverly and hopefully, you you know, you think that can make a difference in his career. Who's somebody, he's somebody who's struggled obviously quite a bit with injury throughout his career. He's, you know, never played, played more than 70 games once and played only 11 last year with two different injuries or maybe re-injured the same thing. I can't quite remember, but for one year, I think that's a perfect investment because if he works out for even just one year, then that's a pretty solid point guard option. And if he does, you know, then you, you have the option of you're kind of in the driver's seat to sign him long term or, you know, to any kind of deal that you might want. And he's perfect for what the, you know, you're not going to have to play differently. I heard somebody saying that about, I don't remember who I was talking to. I think it was uh, Josh Lloyd of the, the fantasy podcast. And he was saying like how nice it'll be for if the Suns were to play Rashawn Holmes more this year. Um, to not have to play differently when DeAndre Ayton leaves the game, not to get on too far of a tangent, but I think that would help for Beverly with putting him in a starting lineup. You don't have to play differently when the backups come in. If Devin Booker is a starting point guard, which I don't think either one of us think it will happen, but if he is, 
you're going to have to reinvent the offense every time he leaves the floor. If Shaq Harrison's a backup point guard, that's a completely different offense. So to have Beverly in and then have Melton or, or Shaq backing him up, I think you're going to play a similar style, and I think that would be really helpful. I totally agree with you there. I think Beverly's one of the most realistic options on the list here. But let's go to our last one there, and it's Spencer Denway, the Brooklyn Nets. Kind of an underrated guy, very good at not turning the ball over. He's very tall, six foot six, fits the mold around Devin Booker. Good defender, good shooter. He could become a better shooter with some more development. So what would it take from Sean Marks' point of view in Brooklyn to get off of a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie? Because he is coming up with a decision here between D'Lo or Dinwiddie. Yeah, I think it's another thing. I mean, how likely would you or how available would you say Dinwiddie is? I don't think they're in a hurry to trade him because, you know, you can pick between these two point guards. That's a luxury most teams don't have. But at the same time, you, you probably do eventually have to pick. I would say two out of five. Yeah, I, w- I think I said three when we were talking before, so I-, I would probably still say three. I think that some of the Dave King likes to talk about how much of an attitude problem Dinwiddie has. I think that's an outdated impression of him. I think that is one, though, that still kind of exists throughout the league. People should go read Zach Lowe's thing on Dinwiddie, though, talk about how much of a relationship him and Kenny Atkinson have formed. But um, I think D'Angelo Russell obviously is in the you know in the driver's seat for who they would pick. He's former number two overall pick, somebody who has a ton of talent. So I think if you know if you had to pick right now, you'd probably pick Russell, but that could change if he continues to underperform and then Woody continues to play like a madman like he did last year. So I don't think they're in a hurry, but if I'm the Nets, I would say, I mean, I, I think that they're they're actually one of those teams that's probably fine taking back long-term money. The problem is Dinwiddie makes $1.6 million. There's not really, no, the Suns don't have long-term $1.6 million salary, so it's kind of a, a problem. I think that at that point, they're probably just looking for picks. I mean, they, they need to restock their cupboard. Yeah, I've been trying to figure on trade machine what makes the most sense because if you take back a contract like Troy Daniels, the Nets are over the cap in that situation, so they can't even take a contract back like Troy Daniels or Darrell Arthur without sending back additional salary, which I don't think is going to happen. So it would have to be a trade involving one of Mellon or a Kobo. What do you think about that? Would you do straight up Dinwiddie for one of Mellon or a Kobo? From the Nets, uh, I think that's kind of just reshuffling the deck. I think I would probably need a pick. It doesn't need to be an amazing pick, maybe a you know long term future second or something like that. But at that point, you're just shooting. You know, the Nets would just be making their backup point guard position worse for this year. That would all you know. They don't. There's no guarantee Akobo is better long term than Dinwiddie. They already know Dinwiddie's good, and they would just be giving him up for the possibility of Akobo being better. So I would need a little bit more than that to get it done. Maybe but, like the 2021 Sun second or something where the, you know, I don't think the Suns want to give up their second this year and a Kobo, but maybe down the line they hope they'll be better and that might work. I could see McDonough liking Spencer Dinway to the point where he could eventually re-sign him because I think he'll be a cheap guy. He, like I said, he's a good shooter, good defender, could get better under Yurka Kokoshkov. So I'll take out a Kobo or Mellon in this deal because I, I see it on that roster that they have 16 guaranteed contracts, including Dinwiddie. So they could get off of Dinway just with picks, it looks like. So what about Dinwiddie straight up for the Bucks' 2021st round pick? I mean, I think the Nets would take that in a heartbeat, but I don't know if I'd offer that from the Suns. But, I mean, you're, you're McDonough. Mm. What, what, what about 2019 Suns second? Yeah, I think that's more likely. But, I mean, I think that they would take a Kobo. Like, well, you said they have 16. Oh, that's true. And they're all young guys. They don't want to cut any of them. Yeah, it looks that's, like... If okay, they, yeah, that's tough because half these guys are guys they signed in the past couple of years. The other half are draft picks. 
They'd have to cut a guy like Jared Dudley or Damari Carroll and just eat the money. Yeah. Okay. You're probably right then. They're probably not going to want to take a guy back. So maybe Melton, though, because if he's – well, we assume he got signed to a deal. We don't know what it is yet. But I guess that does change it then. They can't sign him to like a two-way deal or something. Yeah, I guess it would just have to be a second. I mean, then it would have to be a, a, a sooner, much sooner second in my mind. That would have to be the entire value of the deal. Yeah, I'll, I'll do 2019 Sun second with no problem. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. To me, I don't know if the Nets would do that, to be honest. Maybe now I'm, I'm rethinking the first round thing. Maybe it would have to get to that point with him showing so much promise and still being so young. How young is he? Um, I'll check his age real quick, but I mean, I think you're right there, Brent. I think from Brooklyn's, from Brooklyn's point of view, I think it would have to be the Bucks' first round pick, which I, I'd be more than happy to do because I'm a, I'm a Dinwiddie fan. Okay, 2020 Milwaukee first. We'll we'll lock that one in. That one's kind of interesting. That could be. I didn't realize the Nets' contract situation. Having so many guys on the books already, that's that definitely throws a wrench in it. Which is just interesting in general because they're a team that I would expect to make some deals this year and. You know, Demar Carroll, even Jared Dudley, to not be able to take multiple guys in return for that is just a little bit of a, you know, not too much of a problem, but just something interesting to watch. Now, one final point before we end today's podcast. Out of these five guys, I'll go through the deals again really quickly. Kemba Walker was for D'Anthony Amell and Tyson Chandler, Darrell Arthur. Top three protected Suns 2018 first-round pick. Milwaukee first 2020, which is kind of a heavy price for a guy like Kemba at this stage, but it probably would that's probably what would have to have to happen, to be honest. So, Corey Joseph, Pacers get TJ Leaf and Corey Joseph for TJ Warren in the Suns' 2019 second round pick. Terry Rozier, you get D'Anthony Melton, Dragon Bender, top seven protected 2019 Suns first for Terry Rozier. Patrick Beverly, you get Suns' 2019 second round pick. Darrell Arthur for Patrick Beverly. And then for Spencer Dinwiddie, like we just mentioned there, 2020 Milwaukee first round pick for Spencer Dinwiddie. So, out of those five deals, Brendan, what, what would you say is your favorite one from the Suns' point of view? I think it's Corey Joseph. I think that deal to be able to get Leaf, which is some value, and get off of TJ. It's kind of like what we did with the TJ Warren or with the I'm sorry, the George Hill deal, getting off of TJ in that deal, giving up uh, was ended up being Melton, not the, not the pick, but the same same type of value, and uh, still get a point guard that's this year a good option, and you know some more flexibility in the future. I think that's perfect. That's exactly what I've been asking for since like July 5th. So. I think if they were able to get something like that done, that would be that would be exactly what I would hope for. That that's a really good point. I really feel like at this point it's so hard to know because I never heard back about Dancy and Mellon from my source. So it's like you said, it's up in the air about Dancy and Mellon's contract and how the roster is going to look here soon. But one final question for today's podcast, Brent, I wanted to ask, just gauging one through five, what's the probability with five being the highest that the Suns make a trade for a point guard in the next, in the next two and a half weeks before training camp starts? I'm tempted to just say it's a five. I mean, Woj basically reported it was going to happen. It seems to every all of us like it has to happen. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't necessarily know who it is, but I feel like there's there's really no other choice at this point. Yeah, I really feel like a deal has to happen here for the Suns to really be a team on the rise because if you're rolling out a rotation of Harrison, a Kobo, and Mellon, that does not put much faith into winning 30 to 35 games this year. So I think... Some name like a Corey Joseph or even a Terry Rozier, one of these five names makes a lot of sense for the Suns this year. But I appreciate you guys listening on today's podcast. We'll be back to you guys on Monday for a new episode. And I also wanted to say before we end today's podcast, congrats to Steve Nash, George Hill, 
and Jason Kidd, former sons, making the NBA Hall of Fame. Yes, that's the one thing I was going to say when we first started, and I completely forgot. Yeah, that, that's that's incredible. We're going to have a bunch of content on Bright Side of the Sun today looking back at those guys' careers. I'm sure Suns fans have plenty of memories. So instead of worrying about point guards today, after you listen to this podcast, of course, <laughs> go ahead and you know revel in all those awesome memories of uh, when the Suns used to be a fun team and uh, how much those guys did for this city and all that stuff. It's super fun to remember. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing the same today. So congrats to all those players for sure. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to watch it later today. But we'll be back with you guys on Monday for a new episode. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.